Welcome to Kissing in a Tree with your host, Kelly Nichols. Romance, intimacy, and self-love are easier when we talk about them, and even more so with someone to lead the way. Here is your host, Kelly. Hello, friend, and welcome to Kissing in a Tree. I am your host, Kelly Nichols, and it has been such a great week since we last spoke. I hope the same is true for you. I am so excited for our show today. We are going to talk about some things that so many people struggle with, communicating their desires. I hope that by the end of the hour, you feel more equipped to have vulnerable conversations about what you want your sex life to look like. For many people, that might include conversations about pornography and if there is a place for it in a healthy sexual relationship. To help us talk about this and so much more, we have a guest that I am thrilled to have on our show. She is a certified sex therapist from Texas, Lindsay Murray. She has a gift for helping couples reconnect sexually, and I know that you're going to learn so much from her today. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be on the show and to talk about yeah, everything you just mentioned. <laughs> I can't <laughs> Yeah, I can't either. Let's go ahead and dive right in. Um, The first question that I have for you today, what are some common challenges that couples face when it comes to expressing their desires with one another? What do you often see in your practice? Um, Probably, I guess, biggest overview is that they don't know how. So it's kind of like uh, they might want to talk about it, but they're very nervous to approach the subject. Maybe they have felt shut down before, when they've tried to approach it before. Um, It could also be that they don't even know what their desires are. So that's another like huge one that comes up often. Um, You know, if you ask a client or if they ask their partner, what do you like? It's not uncommon for me to hear. I have no idea. I don't know. (laughs) I've never known before. Um, And so I think it's just really, um, they don't know what to ask. They don't know how to express what they like. They don't know how to explain really what's going on for them. And they're also afraid to be judged really, mm-hmm. even from their form, you can have a great relationship. You can, it can be loving and kind, but when it comes to sex, it's very, it can feel very taboo and kind of like we don't speak about it. And so if it comes time that you need to speak about it, you can, you can really be frozen <laughs> and be unsure. Do you think that that's because of the internalized shame that so many people have when it comes to their bodies and their sexual relationships? Oh, 100%. Yeah, it definitely is. And it's interesting you mentioned the word shame. Um, People may not even think they have any shame about their sexuality, but more people do than they even realize. If Mm -hmm. sex for them has always remained, I guess, like straight and narrow, like within what the societal norm is, there's no reason to feel like you've got any shame because everything you're doing is okay. But let's say you have a kink you want to explore. Well, that's really shameful. They've learned that that's shameful somewhere and Mm. I'm never going to speak about it. Right. So there's like little pockets there internally that could pop up some shame and they, they don't even know it until, you know, in my office, we start those discussions and they're going like, Ooh, I don't like how that feels to Mm -hmm. to be honest about that. And what are some ways that someone can overcome some of that shame? What are some um, tips or tools that you work with your clients for? Yeah, great question. Um, One would, I would start with being able to name it. You know, some people have to really sort out that emotion within themselves first. And it's pretty 
impactful is pretty powerful if you can if you can start the conversation with your partner by saying I'm really fucking nervous to talk about this I'm feeling kind of ashamed I'm scared you're gonna judge me (laughs) but I'm gonna say it anyways Mm -hmm. and you're really taking that risk to be emotionally vulnerable um you know and I would also say if you are judgmental about something which we all are we've all got our biases We, we can think we don't we do Mm-hmm. starting to feel judgmental, you really need to evaluate that. Why? You know, where's that coming from? Um, and what do you want to do about that? Because if you can be self-aware to, to figure that out, the next part is being open and curious. If your partner says something shocking to you, don't, don't let the shock take over. Take a minute and think to yourself, ask them questions about this. I genuinely want to know why you like that. Why do you want to try that with me? You know, why yeah. did you do this thing? If you're curious, you learn so much about yourself and your partner. And at mm-hmm. the end of those conversations is where you really start to feel the connection of like, hey, we did something pretty big here. Now, what do we want to do with that? What are some ways that as a partner, you can create a safe and non-judgmental space for your partner to be able to come to you and express those desires? I would say the biggest way to create that space is to take the initiative on it. So if you're wanting to hear from your partner, and I hear this often, hey, I wish they would tell me more things about X, Y, and Z, but they mm-hmm. themselves have never initiated that conversation. I'm like, you, you'd be the one to initiate it. Go and tell them, hey, yeah. I really want to know what's on your mind. I would love to know. I, you know, this would be amazing if we talked about it. And so, you know, also just being, not pushy, but a little bit persistent. You know, if your partner's like, I don't know if I'm really ready, come back a week later and just check in. Hey, you know, I still would love to talk about it with you. That'd be so cool. Can we talk about it? If you do that and you set the scene, that's going to tell your, you're going to indicate to your partner, I'm asking you because I'm genuinely curious and I care about you. And I don't want you to feel like you got to hide it. Yeah. They will feel safe. And that can Mm -hmm. be a really beautiful conversation. It sounds like what you're saying is that you just need to be curious about your partner and continue to plug in and and reach out to them and that that will make them feel safe. Is that right? Absolutely. And especially for couples that have been together for a really long time, you might feel like you know everything about your partner. I bet you you don't, you know, Mm -hmm. it can also be curiosity is safety but it can also be really fun and playful. It can be kind of like revitalizing to your relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I think that um, that's absolutely right. Even just kind of approaching your, your partner with um, a, a question can seem a lot easier than a judgment, you know, and, and one kind of opens the door to mo- more conversation where one shuts that door. Um, I also wanted to ask you, we've talked so much about like those conversations, but I think that people are often scared to just start those conversations. Sometimes starting is the hardest part. Like if you can't talk about it, how can you ask your partner, Hey, what do you like in bed? If you're not even comfortable saying that. So do you have any tools for how someone can overcome that? Absolutely. Um, you know, I would think I have like a few suggestions, um, that are still talking, but maybe in a different way. 
One would be to get like those question cards. And I know that might, that might sound like super cliche, but I can't not recommend them enough. Like, um, like Esther Perel, I'm going to use her as an example. She has like this long list of sexual conversation starters. And I feel like when you have, when you already have the conversation starters in front of you, it kind of takes that pressure off. Like you don't have to just come out, come up with something like out of your butt, you know, it's like already there. And if you're really nervous, you don't even you can talk to your partner. You don't even have to physically ask it out loud. It can be kind of like, you read this question card and you know, <laughs> like you do that. Or you can even, um, you know, text back and forth. And, you know, I just think, I think like to physically say something that you're so uncomfortable with, maybe you don't need to physically say it right now right? Use a different way that takes that pressure off of you, but still says, I want to talk about this and let's just find a starting point. I totally agree. I have um, seen some of those question cards. I have read through them. I've recommended them to other people. Sometimes you don't even know the question to ask. You know, there are some people who are so introverted and so um, they feel so shameful about sex in their body that they, they don't even know what to ask their, their partner. And so having a question already written out where it's not like you're asking it, someone else wrote this question that you don't know. <laughs> you just want to know the answer, right? <laughs> and that can, that yeah, can be a lower barrier to entry. Yeah. I, yeah. Lowering the barriers is always step one. And, you know, if it's, if someone is really, um, if this is giving someone a lot of anxiety, and their shame and like guilt and negative feelings about self are all coming up, even just imagining having to have a conversation about sex. I would almost make the initial conversation about those negative feelings and see how they, and maybe I'm talking from a, I mean, me being a therapist, like I'm going to, you know, challenge, I'm like, let's talk about that first. So maybe it's easier with me, but sometimes if there's like this block getting in the way of you talking about it, maybe just talk about what the block is. Hey, you know, I don't, I, I'm having a really hard time with this because like, I've never talked to anyone about sex before or whatever Mm -hmm. it may be. So that can be maybe the initial conversation. And when you get confirmation that your partner is listening to you, it might ease your mind a little bit to go, okay, I can enter this space slowly with them. Yeah. I think that's a great point. And, um, you're right about, even if you can't voice it, just trying to connect is what's important, right? Even if you don't have the words, searching for that connection. Um, speaking of really not being able to put your desires into words, can you tell me a little bit about what your views are on how important it is to understand your own desires and your own wants before coming to your partner with that um, information? I think it's extremely important. I think you need to know yourself. And I don't mean that you have to know every single thing because I think we're always evolving. And and if you have sex with your partner, you might realize something that you love that you got to explore with your partner that you've never done before. All that is fine. But if you don't know your own body, I have often seen in my experience that equals a very anxious sexual experience because you're really unsure and uncertainty is discomfort. Mm-hmm. And so then you're comfortable and then you're in this, you're in this like naked space with your partner and yeah. it's like kind of freaking out. And so, um, I think it's extremely important to know your body first and, you know, with clients, um, and especially female clients, I do suggest that they masturbate, that they even learn how to do that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really can be a game changer. 
And what what do you recommend um, as a good starting off point with feeling comfortable enough with your body to do that? Like there are people who would never consider that activity, right? So before you can get to masturbation, you have to kind of just be comfortable in your own skin. What do you think is the first step on that journey? The first step would be looking at your naked body, just standing in front of a mirror, looking at it, which seems maybe, okay, anyone can do that. It's actually really hard because Mm -hmm. if you're for one minute, you're looking at your naked body, all you're going to see is the flaws And that's not what I want people to see. There is no flaws, but that's what people go to. And after that would be looking at your vulva, Mm -hmm. like looking at it. I don't know if you've ever heard of Betty Dodson, but she was a huge, like she has like, she was like a huge sex educator and had her own masturbation technique. And she would tell um, women that like, look at your vulva, just get a hand mirror, look at it, get familiar with it. And it's almost like you're building this new relationship with your own body. Mm-hmm. It's really the first step. It reminds me of um, that scene in that movie, Fried Green Tomatoes with Kathy Bates. Like <laughs> so much of like your womanhood is like knowing what your vagina looks like. Like what do you really look like naked? Um, and I think that that's a great tip. I appreciate you sharing all that wisdom. I'm really excited because we're about to head into a short break, but I know that when we come back, you're going to keep sharing these tips and it has been so valuable. Um, Thank you so much for listening to Lindsay and I today. We're going to head into a very short break, but stay tuned and we will be right back. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Willow Intimacy offers body-positive sex and relationship coaching to improve your relationship with others and with yourself. Transform your sex life and schedule a virtual appointment anywhere in the U.S. Visit willowintimacy.com today to schedule a free consultation and start your journey towards more fulfilling relationships. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. No relationship is perfect. There's always room for improvement. But sometimes knowing where to start can be challenging. Willow Intimacy proudly serves women, men, and non-binary clients and comfortably coaches straight and gay partnerships. Take the first step and schedule a free virtual consultation at willowintimacy.com today. We're here to support your journey towards healthier relationships. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. 
Hi, this is Kelly Nichols, and you are listening to Kissing in a Tree. I have a very special guest with me, Lindsay Murray. She is a certified sex therapist from Texas. And before the break, we were talking about how to communicate your desires with your partner, and she gives some really great tips. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Absolutely. (laughs) We are going to um, switch our focus just a little bit and dive into something that I think people are even less comfortable with than giving voice to their desires, which is talking about pornography use. So this is, you know, a little controversial. So I wanted to go to someone who has been in this field for a while and you've got um, experience. What exactly are your thoughts on pornography? Do you think that there is a space for pornography in a healthy relationship? I do. Absolutely. And in my view on porn, and I think it can be very healthy. It depends on the view you have of it. Porn is fine for erotic purposes, and there is ethical porn out there. I mean, there's that version of porn that is exploitive and unsafe, you know, all of the above. And I'm, I'm not supporting that. There are ethical porn production companies that are doing the right, ST, they're doing the STD testing, they're paying their actors, they're making sure they're safe and consenting and, you know, et cetera. Um, and what I mean by erotic purposes is, um, I think of someone, if like their only sex education came from running across porn when they were a kid, it's easy to start believing that that's how sex is supposed to look. And it really never looks that way in your real life. And I think you, if you watch porn and it turns you on and you and your partner talk about it, watch it together, whatever, you have to have this understanding that it can turn you on. It can be fun to watch, but your personal sex life doesn't have to look that way. And it probably won't because there's like all this production going on behind the scenes and porn that you don't see. So mm-hmm. it can be really healthy, but there can also be an unhealthy way to watch too. Right. And can you give us a few examples of what healthy pornography looks like compared to what maybe a problem with porn looks like? Like the porn itself or just someone watching porn, like their relationship to it? Consumption. Consumption. Okay. Yeah. Uh, That is a great question. And it's, it probably varies. My answer might be a little Uh, not super concise, but, um, I think it varies like depending on the reason why the person is watching it. And what I mean by that is, um, let's say someone's only way to emotionally soothe is by watching porn. And so then they're watching porn all the time because that's their only way to feel good when they have a negative feeling. That's what they go to. You want to be cautious of that because you want to have other emotional regulation skills too. And that can make it really tricky in a relationship, right? Like I've seen that before. Someone doesn't have those emotional regulation skills. They don't know what to do to be vulnerable with their partner. So instead of turning to their their partner, they're turning to porn and it becomes a lot of use. And that's just their solo activity, right? Mm -hmm. If someone watches porn quite a bit, but they're doing it because they feel good about themselves, it's fun their personal sex life is what they want it to be. They have their, they have their relationships that they want. They just happen to watch porn, you know, five days a week or something that all that can be fine. Right. And so I never like to put, I know some, you may hear people put a number to it. I don't want to put a number to it because I think it's so individual, individualistic Mm -hmm. to what feels good and what is healthy. And I would also say an unhealthy consumption 
is if there is shame attached to it. Um, there's very much a shame cycle with porn. Like if someone has belief that porn is bad, like to- total message, I should never watch it. I'm never going to watch it again. I'm going to have an accountability buddy to check in with, and, and they're going to be my, my partner to make sure I don't watch it again. They're inevitably going to watch it again. And then when they do watch it, it's almost like the secrecy makes the compulsion to watch it worse. Yes. So they, yeah. They give in, they watch it. They feel a lot of shame. They feel a lot of guilt. And then it goes back. I'm never going to watch it again. I'm going to call my accountability partner. I'm inevitably going to watch it again. So if you've got that kind of cycle involved with your porn use, I definitely recommend getting help to resolve and lower that shame. Because if you do, the compulsion to watch it lessens in my experience. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great point, especially the um, point you made that it's not really about frequency, but more about the emotion that you are tying to it and how you are using that pornography. To your earlier point, are you using it for an erotic purpose or are you using it to self-soothe? So I think yeah. that's a, a great distinction that you made. Another thing that I wanted to ask you is how have you seen pornography affect individual expectations in a sexual relationship. You talked on it briefly, but can you speak a little bit more about how consuming porn can change how you expect your partner to look or act in bed? Oh yeah. The expectation, the two that immediately come to mind is that um, the female partner has to have an orgasm and has to come and squirt every single time. And the male partner has to get hard immediately. They have to keep the erection. Um, they have to last a long time. Well, I've got to last at least 30 minutes, which Kelly, I don't know about you, but I'm like 30 minutes. We got to wrap this shit up. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, in porn, like the expectation is long lasting, like extremely hard the whole time, you know, it could, it could even be like we have to orgasm at the same time. Um, and it has to be like, uh, another expectation could be, it has to be extremely pleasurable every single time. It has to be like mind blowing sex every single time. And so then when if someone comes to my office and they're like, what's well, not always great. I really try to normalize. It really shouldn't be great every single time. It's yeah. not be um the ebb and flow is natural and if you can if you can just let that be real you then you can really lean into the times where it is really good so mm-hmm. so many of those myths and expectations create these mental blocks where someone has a sexual experience and they're going oh my god I only lasted 10 minutes like something must be wrong and there's really nothing wrong mm-hmm. right it's, it's all that expectation yeah. And what do you, how do you think that, um, that plays into what we expect our partners to look like physically? Like, I know that I have had men tell me that, you know, they are worried that they aren't satisfying their partner because they don't look like what a porn star looks like. Have you experienced that? Yeah, for sure. I think uh, body image goes a lot into porn and expectations because a lot of porn and not every, not every type of porn, I think. Mm-hmm. There's plenty out there that show realistic body types, but if you were to go on, you know, homepage of Pornhub or something, it's the thin women, the big boobs, the big butt, and then it's guys that are really in shape and their dick is really big. You know, there's like, that's like the stereotypical look. And if a guy, if anyone doesn't look like that, um, they can feel self-conscious. And so then it's even a lot of work just to realize 
it's another unrealistic expectation. You don't need to look like that to enjoy sex, mm-hmm. which is really hard for some people to overcome. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I also want to go back because I feel like we've talked a lot about kind of what you need to look out for cautiously when it comes to pornography. But as you said, there is a lot of ethical porn. There are websites of that are owned by women where every person on the stage is a woman. And you can tell them what they produce that it is crafted in a different way than what you're going to get from the websites that 17 year old boys are looking at. Right. So what do you think, um, how do you think a couple can incorporate ethical pornography in a healthy way into their relationship? How can they kind of broach that topic? Yeah, I, I would, um, yeah, if it's, if it's for the couple, like for their relationship, definitely making it a together activity, you know? Um, and so when you are talking about it, not in a way where it's like, I want, I like to watch porn. So that's what we need to do, but more so here's what I like. Here's what I'm hearing. You like, I think this particular website, maybe we, maybe we can explore it together and find something that we both like. Um, and you know, real quick, speaking of ethical porn, um, if, if someone goes and finds a website that is an ethical porn company, um, usually it will be paid for. It's not expensive, but it's not free like Pornhub would be. But but you should be paying for your porn because yes. they're spending money to make it for you. Is content that you're consuming. Um, and you'll see on these websites, it's very inclusive. It's gay sex. It's lesbian sex. It's non-binary individuals, um, people of color, right? Mm-hmm. Like, all of the above are incorporated in all of their videos and they are really big on um, really showing female pleasure. Cause I think, you know, again, I'm going back to Pornhub, but you know, if you go to the first page, it's a bunch of blowjobs. So they're trying to incorporate all different kinds of pleasure with all different kinds of people. And if that's the conversation with your partner, I want to watch porn that we can feel good about because we know it's and we know they're considering everyone involved. Let's explore that together. And that can be a ton of fun. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And also, um, it is helpful to look at porn that looks like you. That helps you not get hangups about your body. Because so much of the porn industry is very manufactured and fake. And if you look for, if you intentionally seek out ethical porn, you will see that there is a difference in the bodies that they're showing. They are showing sex among real people. This is what sex really looks like. You know, it is still, they're all wearing makeup and whatever, but it is not Photoshopped to the same degree. And it does highlight different sexual acts that should be normalized instead of being made to seem taboo. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to add on to something. I'm talking about the language we're talking. I know I've been saying, you know, male, female, um, but in ethical porn, there are trans individual porn actors involved. And so mm-hmm. really we're talking like vulva owners, penis owners, all of them are incorporated in it. And people like that content. And I think, I think that in of itself can be its own taboo for someone to say, you know, I'm really attracted to trans people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that can be really difficult to talk about, but you know, these porn companies are making it, um, it's so open and normalize as it should be. So it's another reason to be celebrated. 
I, I agree. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and go to the next question that I have regarding this. Um, so talking about using porn in your relationship with your partner or partners, how can you navigate having differing opinions and comfort levels regarding the pornography within your own relationship? How can you kind of go into those conversations in ways that are open and safe and not going to be judgmental? Yeah, when you enter it, I would go into it with the mindset that we're not trying to solve a problem or come to a compromise right now. I think people jump right into the compromise. Well, what's the middle ground? Well, there's probably a huge piece of that conversation to be had first. And what we're really trying to accomplish is understanding and emotional resolve. So Mm -hmm. if this is a very sensitive topic, I'm just trying to understand. Let's kind of put the solution off to the side. Let's not rush it. If I can understand, you know, if, if, if one partner is like, I don't like porn at all, why do you like it? And you can get a, a grasp of what they gain from it. Like what's the benefit to them? And then saying back to you, what's your personal issue with it? How does it make you feel when you watch it? Cause some people don't feel comfortable watching it. And why am mm-hmm. I that? And you, and I mentioned emotional result cause you feel heard. Then when you move into problem solving, you're coming at it from a different perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's, whenever we don't have an understanding, there's a lot of assumptions. And I'll give you a very common assumption. And sometimes okay. it's true. But, um, you know, an assumption might be they would rather watch porn than be with me. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want us watching it because that's taking away from our relationship. And if that's true, that's a separate conversation. But sometimes when you, when you start with that understanding, you might find out that they view porn as an enhancer and not at all a way to take from you. And maybe the conversation shifts into, okay, how can that be an enhancer for us as a couple? So that Mm -hmm. way I don't feel like you're over here and I'm way on the other side. Right. So that's what I mean is lowering those assumptions. What's that going to mean as far as What's our middle ground? Is there one? Or Mm -hmm. have we kind of convinced each other to come over to our side a little bit, you know? Yeah. I really liked what you said about don't go into it trying to find a solution. I think that that also kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the start of the show of you should come to your partner with curiosity. Instead of trying to solve a problem, if you come looking for connection, you're probably going to have a much better, you know, results. And what you talked about, how porn can be in addition to a sexual relationship, I think is important, especially because there are other things that we use, right? Like sex toys. There are a lot of people, especially men who are so intimidated when their partner says, Hey, why don't we go try this? Because they feel like, Oh, it's detracting from our sex. So can you talk a little bit about how we can use these tools to make our sex life better and more fulfilling? And it's not really taking away from the experience. Absolutely. Toys are always the teammate. You know, I always (laughs) say they're your teammate, they're your buddy, they're your friend, they're going to make, they're going to make the experience better for both of you because it gives you, there's more that you can do when a toy is involved. And so if you're, you know, you're using a toy on your partner and you want to play with another part of your partner's body, or you want to kiss them somewhere while you're using a toy on them, or they're using a toy, but they can also touch you at the same time. It's almost like you've got this mix where more can be going on at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
yeah, I've heard that before. It can be intimidating. It was taking away. And I'll use the vibrator as an example. Men will get like, well, I can't do what a vibrator can do. And I'm like, you're not meant to do what a vibrator can yeah. do. A vibrator goes way faster than you would ever be able to go. Um, and that's okay. You know, it doesn't mean you're bad in bed. If you accept it and you embrace it, I'll tell you from, you know, female perspective, that's really hot. If a guy yeah. is like, where are, the, where are the toys? Let's fucking go. <laughs> being intimidated by it, right? So it's just a confidence thing. If you can lean into it, be confident, so much fun and such a turn on. Yeah, I agree. It's like um, trying to complete a home improvement project without a hammer, right? Like you can do it, but it's probably going to take longer. It might not be as fun. <laughs> That's a great, that's a great way to put it. Totally. Um, so it sounds like when you are having conversations with your partner about porn, it's best to come at it with curiosity rather than a shame um, perspective. And that the best thing that we can do is just kind of start those conversations. Do you recommend that a couple just kind of jumps in? to, okay, now we're looking at hardcore porn, or do you recommend that maybe it's slower, you start with something sensual, or maybe even an audiobook, something without any visuals at all to kind of get comfortable with? I think it depends on the couple. I think some couples would be fine diving right in. But I think if there's a lot of anxiety around this, and there's a lot of trust to still be built, that that this is actually going to help our relationship and not harm it, that's where I would go slow. Yeah, it really just just depends. But if I get any feeling that there's a lot of anxiety and panic around this, slow is always better. Got it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. That's been so helpful. We are going to go into another short break, but stay tuned because when we come back, we are going to be answering questions from you. We'll be back after the short break. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. No relationship is perfect. There's always room for improvement, but sometimes knowing where to start can be challenging. Willow Intimacy proudly serves women, men, and non-binary clients and comfortably coaches straight and gay partnerships. Take the first step and schedule a free virtual consultation at willowintimacy.com today. We're here to support your journey towards healthier relationships. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Willow Intimacy offers body-positive sex and relationship coaching to improve your relationship with others and with yourself. Transform your sex life and schedule a virtual appointment anywhere in the U.S. Visit willowintimacy.com today to schedule a free consultation and start your journey towards more fulfilling relationships. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Kissing in a Tree, hosted by Kelly Nichols. 
Have a question for Kelly or her guests? Email them at show at willowintimacy.com and you might just get your question answered on air. Once again, that's show at willowintimacy.com. Now back to your host. Hi, thank you so much for staying tuned. I am Kelly Nichols and this is Kissing in a Tree. On this episode, we have a certified sex therapist, Melinda Murray, with us, and she is going to answer some of your questions. However, I do want to take a second to highlight a very important foundation first. This is not an ad. This is just important information that I think is helpful. There is a clinic in Arizona called Aunt Rita's Foundation. They offer free HIV testing all over the state of Arizona. They even distribute free HIV oral swab kits through gettestedaz.org. And they also provide vouchers for confidential testing at over a hundred Safeway stores in Arizona. If you would like more information or would like to donate to this organization, go to auntritas.org. Again, that's aunt, like your aunt and uncle, ritas.org. Well, now let's go ahead and get into some listener questions. Lindsay, are you ready? I'm ready. Great. So this first question says, I have been married for 20 years. I love my husband so much, but sex has become miserable. He has a health condition that makes it difficult for him to have and keep an erection. He is still very much interested in sex and wants to have sex a few times a week. But by the time he is there, my body is hurting and I just want it to be over. It always takes over an hour and I'm beginning to dread it. I want my husband to be sexually satisfied, but I'm at my what's end. What can I do? That's a great question. Um, and to this, to this listener, um, I know that's tough for that to be the situation. Um, I'm not sure what you like in the context of, you know, her, her husband having a health issue, I would definitely get, get that figured out. Um, cause if there's any, if there's anything medically that can be done to help with erection, I mean, that's route number one. Right. Yes. Um, but maybe there's something that can be done about that. And so my, my second piece of advice, as I hear her question, um, is definitely to take the focus off of erection. Because um, it sounds like in her question, they're spending an hour, you know, a lot of time to get him there. And, you know, my my suggestion is maybe he doesn't need to get there. You know, what, what sex do you want to be having, whether there's erection intercourse or not? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if a lot of if, if a lot of people know this, but men can have an orgasm even when they don't have an erection. Yep. Uh, and I think it's common for men to feel like I need to have an erection in order for sex to be successful. And then it turns into this kind of like pass fail test, right. Instead of just a fun experience. Um, something too. And again, I don't know if this is true for her husband, but when there's been this experience where, it's consistently been difficult to get an erection or to keep an erection. It really causes some performance anxiety, which then makes it, it continuously makes it hard to get one because now you're worried about it. And so my my suggestion would be, I wouldn't even try to have an erection or intercourse at all. I would definitely move back to what is going to make each of us feel good. And can we be okay just with that? And you can, (laughs) and like, you know, she's saying it's miserable right now. It's taking over an hour. I want to be over. Mm -hmm. What does she want? What, what makes her go, oh, this feels so good. That would be, that would be my focus. And 
And, and uh, this may not be true depending on his own health issue, but I'll, I'll give kind of a perspective of like the worry about it and the performance anxiety and making it harder to get an erection. In my experience, I've had lots of clients that when they consistently take the pressure off of the erection and they just have fun, their body starts to naturally respond again and the erection can show up on its own instead of mm-hmm. us having to force it. So yeah. that would be my advice to her. I think that's some great advice. I also, I, I think it ties back to some of what we were talking about earlier that the porn that you are watching makes you feel like sex has to happen a certain way. And even if this idea isn't from pornography, it is definitely ingrained in our culture, right? Sex is <clears throat> someone with a penis getting an erection and putting it into a vaginal canal. And that is such a limited view of all all of the things that we can do sexually, not just other people, because not everybody falls into that category, right? But also even people who do fall into that category, there's so much other sex you can be having. And um, focusing on the erection is taking the fun out of it, right? So I totally agree with what you're saying that taking a step back and kind of reevaluating what do you want out of your sex life can be helpful. Also, like we were talking about right before our last break, bring in some toys, do some other things, stop focusing on sex being vaginal intercourse, because there are so many other things that you can do. And there are things that, like you said, even if you are not touching his penis, right? You can do other things to him. He can do other things to you. And then you might be surprised at what your body, what happens to your body once you relax. Because so much of it is mental. Like, obviously, if you have a health condition like this listener's husband does, that's different. But when you work it up in your mind to be bigger than it is, it's going to make that problem worse rather than help. Yeah, and I I would imagine um, her and her husband intersex feeling like, okay, let's get to work, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, let's happen. Um, and it does feel like a chore and there's a lot of negative feeling, a lot of negative anticipation for it. And that's never fun. I mean, I feel like with anything, especially sex, if there's this negative anticipation and you're thinking, ugh, I want it to be over. Well, how do you even desire it? You know, gotta take that focus off and let it be fun. And then you can start to have that positive anticipation. You know, I'm about to go and feel good. Mm-hmm. And, and who cares about the erection intercourse? So yeah, I agree with you totally. I also want to highlight something that you said, I'm about to go have fun, not I'm about to have an orgasm or my partner is going to have an orgasm, right? I think that's something else that this person might need to readjust is that sex also isn't just an outcome of an orgasm. You can both have sex. You can both have a good time and neither one of you come, right? And that doesn't mean that it's a failure. It's not a test. (laughs) Did you have fun with your partner? Did you both make each other physically feel good? Okay, then I think that that's a success. Well, I am- I love that you- Yeah, totally makes sense. Thanks. I'm going to go ahead and switch to our second question. I want to make sure that I get your opinion on this one as well. My partner and I have been together for years. I love them, but I am so bored with our sex life. He's very vanilla and happy that way. I'm adventurous in the bedroom and I always want to try new things. 
This makes me the one who has to introduce everything new into our sex life. I want to be surprised by him by something, by trying something new and being spontaneous. I am too young to be this bored in bed. What can I do? I would for sure, if she hasn't already, tell him exactly that. And that's going to be a hard conversation. It's really hard to tell your partner, I'm bored with our sex life. And I am the only one bringing anything to the table. That's really hard because you don't want to hurt your partner's feelings. But she needs to take that risk and say that. Um, uh, and I and it could be a really good realization for him because I've seen partners before where, like she mentioned, she's bringing new stuff to the table and she's spicing it up. And if he's a willing, enthusiastic participant, he might think that's enough for her. He might be going, well, I said yes to all the stuff you want to do. And so if, if they have that conversation to make it clear to him, I don't want you to just go along with what I want. I want you to have ideas because that's going to show me you care about me and my desire to have like some new, some novelty in the bedroom. <laughs> so that's one way to put it. When you have it on board, if you take some initiative, if you look into things and you have some ideas that you'd be willing to try and you come to me, that's not just sex for me. That shows me you care about me and that you're paying attention to me. That's really what it's about. Right. And he may not even know that. And that's what I want her to know. It's so easy to have, you know, we have our own perspectives. How could our, how could my partner not know? Mm-hmm. You surprised. They don't receive information or think the same way that you do. So I would get really clear on that. And then, you know, depending on how that conversation goes, and I cut, maybe I kind of mentioned it earlier in one of the earlier questions, but, um, you know, talking about what they like and why, you know, if he brings something, what interests you about that? What do you want to feel when we do that? Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you imagine it going? How do we, how are we going to be safe? It's almost like you're the conversation before trying something new in and of itself can be very fun and erotic. So that's yeah. the way to do That's the way to view it is like, this doesn't have to just stay an awkward conversation. This can be erotic and almost that's the positive anticipation to us trying it. Yeah, I that's a great point. I also would say that if you're if you're feeling like your husband just isn't bringing a lot to the table in bed and you want to branch out, why don't you make it a challenge, right? Like, okay, this week on Friday, I'm going to blow your mind. I've got something you've never done before. It's going to be great. Find something, right? And then tell him next week, it's your turn. I want you to surprise me on Friday. See if you can one up me, right? And if you if you surprise me, I'll do that one thing you really like or whatever, right? Like there are ways that you can make it fun and flirty and not have it feel like this is a way that you're failing me and you're not meeting my sexual needs. Because I feel like the second you say that, Walls are going to come up. They are going to immediately be on the defensive and that's not sexy. No one wants to have a conversation in that mindset, right? Absolutely. You want to, I think one of the key is influencing your partner in a very loving way. And when I say influence, when you're trying to explain what you want to be happening or something you might feel might be missing, you're right. You can't go to them and say, well, you never do this. And that's super disappointing. You just, you want to have that loving honesty, even if it's like, I'm kind of bored, but hey, what about this, mm-hmm. right? Like, come come to my side a little bit because we can have so much fun and then I'll give you what you want later. You know, you just make it very, 
very um, sensual in a way, like you said, make it a challenge. And so I just think fun and playfulness matters so much in these conversations. And that, that always makes it go better. I agree. I think it opens it up for it to be a point of connection rather than a point of disconnection, right? And like a point where your partner can leave that conversation and feel desired rather than feeling shamed. It's all in how you frame it. Yes. Lindsay, thank you so much for offering up great advice and so many, I think, really tangible tips that people are going to learn from and be able to incorporate into their lives. Um, I know that there are going to be people who want to know where they can find you and what you're doing. Can you tell them a little bit about how they can stalk you on the internet? Yes. So I have my website. I do have a private practice in DFW or Dallas um, called Relationship Matters Therapy. And so if you Google my name, you'll you'll find my website. And then um, on Facebook, I'm under Lindsay Murray Sex Therapist. And then Instagram is Lindsay Murray CST. Um, you, so you can find me on there. And I also have a, a course that I made called Sexadelics, which is about how to, how to enhance your sex life and what a psychedelic journey could possibly do to help you with that. So very exciting stuff. That is so exciting. Can you tell me a little bit about what made you want to make that program? What interested you in that? Yeah. So my friend, Cameron Schober, he's my co or co-creator of that course, And he's a therapist too, and he does ketamine assisted therapy. And so he's, he has experience helping clients have a better relationship with their own mental health. And that helps them relax, lower anxiety, you know, all of the above. And we came together because when someone goes through a journey like that, they're loving themselves, they're less anxious, they're able to relax, they understand themselves better. Aren't those all the same things we're talking about in the context of having a better sex life? 100%. And so that's the purpose. We came together. These two things relate more than you could even imagine. And we walked you through how, like what that would even look like. And there's a ton of tools and, and assignments and videos that of things that you can do at home on your own to enhance your sex life. And it's an online course. It's at your own pace. Um, So it's really exciting that we were able to make that. And is this something that a couple participates in or an individual, or is it flexible for both? Flexible for both. There's, there's stuff for individual in there, which of course, if you're, if you're part of a couple, you can do that just individually. There's um, some stuff that's related specifically for couples, but then there's like a way that you could do it on your own if you don't have a partner. So we try to make it flexible and inclusive for anyone who purchases the course. That's great. Um, I am so excited. Thank you so much for having us on the show. I really hope that people check out that um, program that you've made. It seems like that could really help. Um, If you would like your question answered on a future episode, all you have to do is email us at show at willowintimacy.com and we can answer your question on a future episode. Otherwise, until next week, deepen your roots, branch out with love and keep growing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Kissing in a Tree. We hope you learned something new and that you use it to enrich the relationships in your life. Until next time, we hope you feel loved.